2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at com slash podcast.
3: Back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined once again by Sean Conley. How are you, Sean? You're in from Celtic down under.
4: Yep, good man. It's 10:30 uh, at night here. Uh, it's getting hot, coming up to summer, so it's uh, it's about 27 today. Uh, the swimming pools were absolutely heaving with kids.
3: Wow. That's all I can say, because it's uh, slightly different over here, as you can tell. Uh, We will be having a wee chat uh, in the lead up to today's game around uh, a change to the Sydney Cup uh, fixture time, um, as well as... You know, events of the last week, Champions League, I've not had a chance to speak to you about that. I know that you and the guys chat about it on Celtic Down Under. Uh, some of the comments made both by the chairman uh, and also the gaffer in the last week. We'll obviously be looking at the lineup against Under United today. It's gonna to be a much different game, I would suspect, than uh, the nine nothing at Tanadice, Sean. What what do you reckon's the biggest um, element of that certainly I don't think it's down to us I think Dundee United were in bad shape when we faced them that day weren't
4: they? They were and uh, they were very much uh, doing the kind of sticking to their philosophy of uh, this is our style this is what we play even on the day when it was absolutely falling apart around them they were giving us all the time and space to play that uh we, we absolutely exploited, particularly uh, Jota and Kyogo on that day. Uh, I think even Abada had a field day that day as well. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, they're definitely going to line up differently this time, I'd say, in most areas of the pitch. Uh, and there will definitely be a different application and attitude, I would expect.
3: Yeah, you know, when I look at these teams, um, I'm going to have a, a wee chat about our, our opponents today, along with... Probably Hibs, um, and I'm going to maybe throw in Aberdeen, although they might have overcome this, whereby it was very much unstable, uh, on the managerial level and it's been that way with Dundee United it's been that way with Hibbs. these are clubs that historically have given you a good game you didn't really fancy travelling to the away games you knew they were going to be some of the hardest fixtures of the season um, but that change in management at Dundee the United they, they've gone from a gaffer who was pretty much untested and uh, done so well that he got a move uh, over to Hungary it didn't work out for him I'm pretty sure he'll get a job at, at, you know, sometime soon back in Scotland and when they appointed Jack ross it looked like a decent appointment you know mm-hmm. because he'd done so well at hibs um and and obviously with that change that quick turnaround in managers they're into their third manager in probably the last yeah i don't know eight or nine mm-hmm. months maybe 12 months um and every manager is going to try and find their feet they're going to have their own ideas they're going to go into the transfer window with uh, different recruitment plans um but i think you know all when, when all in that is said and done as long as Celtic stick to our principles, Sean. This should be a game today, although not being complacent about it. This should be a game that we should be able to be home and dry, I would suggest, within you know the first half, maybe 60 minutes of the game.
4: Um, yeah, uh, well, we'll see. Um, it's one of those ones, it's a home game. And like, I was kind of looking at the stats and like, oh, we've scored. We're doing so much better in the away games in terms of scoring goals, but then it occurred to me we've only played five home games and we've played seven away games, which seems to happen like every season. I don't know how that happens. Like our our home games kind of stack up at the end. I don't know why Mm -hmm. that is. Uh, Almost like so the SPFL can kind of invert some fixtures uh, post-split. Thinking back to the nine now, the the best player I think on the pitch, the only player that really passed any kind of, had any past marks with Dundee United that day, was probably uh Stephen Fletcher. Uh, yeah. and he's starting again today in the past. We've had some trouble with Ian Harks who's playing. He, I remember he scored in the one each game last year at Celtic That's Park. Right. Yeah. So, and that was, that was a post-acoggle game. So, you know, it's not like they're not, uh, it's in them, you know, it's in them. Obviously the managerial thing's a bit of a, a merry-go-round, um, mm. and, and Liam Fox has started well, uh, my, my smallest and only minor claim to fame is that I scored a goal against Liam Fox at Celtic Park. So that's, uh, I'm just going to, I'll be dining out on that one you forever. You
3: are <laughs> going to have to give us a wee bit more. What what was the context of that? I mean, was, I was this? one of
4: these half-time things at Celtic oh, Park right, where they right. get the people on the pitch and Liam Fox was in goals and uh, I put one past them. It was actually the day we lost 3-1 uh, to Hibs uh, under Martin O'Neill.
3: Mate, you've it's scored completely. at Celtic Park. That's all you need to say. doesn't no matter what the circumstances are. Um, <laughs> we're keen to get the, the thoughts of the commenters in. and um, We will be running through a few of these. We'll also be looking at the teams in just a moment. Grayson, Heseldine, evening all. I wonder where you're watching the game, Grayson. Uh, excited for today's match. Uh, Jota hat-trick, I'd love to see it. Again, I wasn't being complacent. And I think Sean raises a, a very good point in that Dundee United gave us a few good games last season. Um, I just feel that, you know, changing your manager a bit like Hibbs changing your manager, rapid. Uh, you know, three times in succession. I think is. I'm not going to say writing off a season, but it can certainly uh, derail your plans. Uh, Paul McLean, just keep winning uh, until the break. Yeah, I hope that is the case. And we're going to be talking about what happens during that break with Sean as well. and Jungle Lion, welcome back to the show. Seven points clear is all that matters, 100%. Um, uh, you know, th- there's been a lot happened um, in relation to Champions League AGM um, looking towards January and the Sydney Cup and we're going to speak about all of that before the game. Uh, but prior to that, we're going to have a look at the the lineup. She was mentioning uh, Ian Harks. It was interesting how Ian's wife, um, who had played for... Celtic women's and had performed so so well she retired so young as well that was a bit of a surprise um, because I mean we we took a, a real interest I think it started kicking in not last season, but the season before, in the women's football as well as as the first team. Um, and we followed uh, Garden's career. She looked like a star, star player. You thought to yourself, she's going to get a transfer to one of the big clubs, uh, you know, that are competing in the Champions League. And lo and behold, she retired, which was a bit of a shock. But, um, you know, that's one of these things that, again, you're looking at the the women's game versus the men's game, and there are some real differences in terms of that and uh, the career, the length of the career etc. Let's have a look at Celtic first of all. It's great to see Jota again on that team sheet. We'll have a wee chat about his goal first and foremost Sean, because you know what, he's come in for a wee bit of stick for celebrating the goal the way the way that he did. Um, I was running through some of the Facebook comments as well on the on Facebook if you're not on that, get joining, we've got about 20,000, it can get a bit uh, interesting let's just say with regards to the discussion on there I tried to leave it uh, running as, as far as I can until I started getting the notifications that complaints are coming in Sean but uh, a few people said you know it was because he isn't Champions League level it was almost as if he was just glad to be there I didn't read it like that at all you know I really didn't. Um, what did you make of Jota's goal in, in the celebration after
4: it? Oh, I back him up 100% here yeah uh, it- I did a cartwheel when I scored at half time at Celtic Park against <laughs> Liam Fox. So, um, and I absolute, you know, I'm absolutely backing him all the way for that one. Um, yeah, like definitely not any negative interpretation in my part for that one. If you sc- like any professional footballer goes and scores at the new Camp, Bernabeu, Old Trafford, Anfield, they are absolutely entitled to celebrate that. That is something they're going to like. You can always, if if they gave out medals, you would have it up beside your medals for winning a league, you know, on on your mantelpiece to your grandkids about. Uh, yeah, it's it's an achievement that you will talk about forever and absolutely,
3: absolutely, yeah. and rightly so. If I scored a goal like that in my back garden and my wee guy was in goals, I'd be celebrating it the way Jota did. Um, but I did think back. I mentioned this during the week. We were um, privileged to be in the the initial press conference when Jota signed. Um, the loan deal that was, you know, back, back when. And we'd done everything that everyone does in terms of the research, Sean, and we knew, you know, his kind of background, etc. But uh, what came out of that was that obviously when he was grown up, his hero was Ronaldo. So you imagine um, a Portuguese hero. He's looking at Ronaldo. He's probably seen Ronaldo scoring, you know, free kicks at the Bernabéu dozens of times. I'm not saying in person, but he's he's watched these game and games, and that was his hero. And then you know he's been named in the provisional, the long list for the Port- Portuguese uh, World Cup squad. And you think to yourself, you know, the dream, at Jota, um, because we do dare to dream, could well be that you know being in the same squad as a guy he idolized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I got all of that. And you know what? I love seeing Celtic players celebrating goals anyway. You know what I mean? I used to watch mm-hmm. the, the videos when I was younger, Sean. Um, and we are covering a lot of the videos in time on the channel when we're doing a retrospective on the old VHS. And you would watch wee Jinky scoring in a 2-2 game against Rangers and the way that he celebrated. You you would watch Dixie Deans doing his wee somersault after he scored in the cup final against Hibs. You know... You want to see Celtic players celebrating, and because we criticised guys like Christie for not celebrating during that uh, that season when we weren't in the ground, you know. So I think you know certain people need to get off his back. Uh, It was a huge goal for Jota. uh, The context of it being a five-one defeat. For me, do you even think about that when you're scoring, when you're in the moment, when the Celtic fans are right there and you're going over for their applause? Of course you don't. Um, great to see him back, though. I mean, w- when you think about the um, the options that we have left and right, and uh, the fact that we've got some players even out on loan who can play there, it's one of those dilemmas for Ange now, Sean, isn't it? It's one of the strongest areas of the park that we've got in mm-hmm. terms of who who starts, and you know, it might be surprising today to look at the starting lineup. You've got Jota, Haksabanovic, and Yakimakis up top, although. It seems as though, at the moment, that could be as strong as any permutation for the front three.
4: It's a lot of syllables, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> on, on the subject, just before we move on from goal celebration, I, I remember the Mario Balatelli thing uh, where he refused to celebrate goals and the rationale he gave was that a, a postman doesn't celebrate when he delivers the post and that he's just doing his job and I'm like, well, that is a person that does not enjoy playing football. Like, I get it's your job, your profession, but man, you're supposed to still love and enjoy the game. And so seeing any player celebrate, you know, that's the opposite of Balotella to me. That's the positive there, you know.
3: Oh, definitely, Sean. You know, again, I've said this a few times. I always think about, like, my dad's generation going to the Games, and it was different mm-hmm. back then because it was definitely more of that working-class sport. I think that's been lost massively in Scotland uh, and, and further afield. And, you know, the, the elation of a, a win, a goal, that kind of thing, where you've got guys that worked all week – because it mainly was guys back then, you know, in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, and, and before – Going to the games and uh, doing things that all week seemed completely different from the mundane day-to-day life of, my, in my dad's case, working doing the pit. Uh, and Celtics score a goal and you can jump and scream and shout and sing and, and get bevied and hug your mates. Things that you don't do Monday to Friday. And, you know, what you want is you want to see that emotion shared by the players, that they're enjoying mm-hmm. it. So, Jota... You get my vote every single time. Um, What about the other two he's lining up with today then? Because obviously that could have been Maeda, it could have been Abada, it could have been Kyogo, but we've gone for Haksibanovic and Yakimakis today.
4: Well, Kyogo did great in the last game against Dundee United, but I think, yeah, better to go with fresh legs, I guess. Uh, This is the first time Jota and Haksibanovic have actually started together, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Whenever there's a Celtic home game, I always stick my money on someone to get a hat-trick, so usually it's... uh, Whoever's up front, so mm-hmm. I've got a bit of money on Jackie Macus today. Hopefully, he does it for me. seen somebody in the comments, in Jota, uh, I'm kind of process of elimination. It could actually be Haksibanovich as well. It might be, might be due a due Turn, uh, but yeah, I could definitely see uh, something from these guys today. And in what you mentioned about guys being out on loan, I'm actually was thinking about that recently and kind of forecasting to next season and thinking uh, they you're kind of rousting for next year. Could be the player that's doing quite well just now, which is Mikey Johnson. But uh, as it is, we've got five on the, going at the moment, and Forrest can definitely feel hard done by being out of the team, and uh, Abada uh, to a lesser extent. And we can feel very confident bringing those players off the bench. Uh, and even, yeah, and hopefully by that time we're three or four goals up and we're bringing on these excellent international footballers uh, with fresh legs and pedigree to run at what will hopefully be a ragged Dundee United defence by that point but I I think the the biggest surprise really is uh, maybe not surprise but the biggest talking point really is Turnbull starting I think
3: yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely is. Um, I would suggest. I mean, Haksabanovic has impressed. I think. I, I thought it was interesting a week and a half ago in the press conference where he was talking about not being where he wants to be, both in terms of the form uh, and the fitness as well, Sean. And he was um, looking upon himself, uh, regarded himself still as a as a new player, and that's that's absolutely fine. I would suggest at this stage. But I do think we we have not yet seen the best of him. He's shown us flashes. Um, it could be a game today where he really just, uh, you know, um, goes out there and scores a brace or, or a hat trick, or you know. But I'm looking for a good performance. I guess the only thing is it might push Giotto
4: onto the right. Do you think Jota's as
3: effective over there? Uh,
4: I don't. I mean, they, they seem to be doing a lot more switching this year than they did last year. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I did last year. Think I don't know. It's funny because like, James Forrest is a right-footed player that's better on the right, but Jota's a right-footed player that's probably better on the left, and I guess mm-hmm. it's just to do with whether you have that kind of burst that will get you to the byline, which is you know something that Forrest has always had, whereas, like I said, Jota and Haxibana, which don't necessarily have that, but Abada does. So it, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like We have so few actually left-footed wingers at the moment. Um, actually, mm. do we have any? We don't have any. They're all right-footed. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. Who Maeda often plays in the left, even though he's right-footed, but he does have the burst. I feel like if you had a left-footed Maeda, we might actually have a full complement of every situation covered there.
3: Absolutely, we had a really good chat on Thursday. Actually, Sean, um, your comrade Liam Carrigan was on the show, <laughs> and uh, we we also had uh, Dan Orlowitz. So we had a right really good chat about the situation with the Japanese national team. The fact, obviously, the Maeda made it. Hatate and Kyogo didn't um, and it didn't really surprise I mean there there was an element of surprise I guess with Kyogo not making it mm-hmm. um, the omission of Hatati um, Dan and Liam both said was probably expected but I also find it interesting how Maeda is regarded in Japanese football I, I do rate him, I do like him as a player, I know what he brings to the team um, but in terms of the three players I've mentioned you know, I think Kyogo and Hitati, for Celtic anyway um, have shown up better. What was your thoughts when the announcement was made, and do you think it benefits Celtic in a way that a couple of our guys are not going to the World Cup? Uh,
4: the Kyogo one uh, was definitely a massive surprise, not just because of his football pedigree, but I mean, I, I guess he has been a little off form and not quite done it in the Champions League, which is uh, probably what the manager's looking at. You know, Champions League and World Cup are as equivalent as you get uh, from international to club. Hitati one was not a surprise at all because uh, every time there's a Japan squad, it's like, we always make the comment like how good are the Japanese midfielders that Hitati's not getting in that squad. You know, it's, yeah. he's always on the, just the outside of, he's not even just outside the 26. He's almost outside the 30. Do you know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. takes quite a bit of rotation and friendly games to actually get Hitati in the squad. Um, and it's, it doesn't surprise me he's not going to the World Cup. It's surprised me that he's not been involved till now and remains not involved. He's had some he has looked good in the Champions League. He's looked like a Champions League player, him and O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the thing about Kyogo. He hasn't necessarily looked like a Champions League player. He's looked like someone that can actually rip the SPFL to shreds and could probably do a turn in the Champions League but he doesn't necessarily look like he's got that class which is and and look maybe he's just off form maybe I'm wrong I don't know but like he seems like he's not that level
3: I was going to get onto that actually because I think that there's been a lot I think learned from this Champions League campaign. Um, you've made a couple of points. I would completely agree with. O'Reilly has really come up, uh, stepped up to the the standard and the plate, and so has Atati. And, and I think when we look at their performances in the Champions League, we really don't have any concerns about them at this level. Next season, going into this kind of competition, next season, um, again, granted, we need to win the league. Uh, I would suggest before we, we we can start talking about that. Mm-hmm. But a couple of the other guys, perhaps haven't performed the way that we might have expected based on their domestic form, and Keogh was one of them. I think maybe a badder. Although, you know, at the Bernabeu he was brave enough to run at his man, he won the penalty. Um, I was more more impressed with his performance the other night. Um, but from that, and then looking at some of the, the chat from Ange postler around transfers and the fact that, you know, we need to be active in the transfer market. What I was reading into that, Sean, is that You know as football fans we become attached to players You know they become heroes pretty quickly Um, And some of the guys we've mentioned are in that bracket already I don't think I'm ready to lose any of the guys that we've mentioned yet I think January's too soon But Ange a couple of times is almost preparing us For a couple of departures here and there Um, Do you think it would be too soon for the likes of O'Reilly, Jota, Hatati? Do you think it would be too soon for these guys to leave in January?
4: It really depends where they're at mentally, because we've seen what's happened in the past with players that have mentally checked out, and we've kept them for too long, like uh, in Cham and Edward. Because what we turned down, what fourteen million or something for N'Cham? And... That's
3: scary. That is frightening. Yep.
4: <laughs> and the, and then he left on a free to Swansea. Do you know what I mean? Like these. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Edward, you all know what he was like. He was absolutely phoning it in in his last season. This this is kind of what happens in. in not just us. I mean, look over the city at the blue team, Sevco, and see what's happening to their uh, £50 million striker at the moment. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. That's what happens when players mentally check out. So there, there has to be a, a degree of realism that um, when a player wants to go, it's not beneficial to either party to to keep a hold of them. Um, and it would be beneficial to both to, to move them on and get a big uh, a, a payout where we can bring someone new in that wants to prove himself and has hunger and desire. The one thing that I know he doesn't get much shake as a manager anymore, but that was the one thing that Paul Lambert did well when he was uh, down in England. Yeah. He, was, he was always looking for players that had something to prove, had a hunger, had a desire. He wasn't necessarily looking for a pedigree in quality. And I know we've got the Sydney Cup coming up and I was kind of scouting ahead and looking at the Everton team and that team is absolutely littered with also-ran players from the EPL, like your Andros Townsends and players like that, that don't have anything to prove that are just there for a paycheck now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and we don't want to be in that situation. Uh, we want to be keeping the fresh bodies, keeping the, the hungry players coming in, the ones that are could and should and hopefully will be better than our level at one point.
3: Yeah, you know, it, it really is interesting because I've had the, a different discussion uh, with Colin Watt on the show. Around that period of time for nine seasons where we were dominating in Scottish football. And had we kept the core of a team and then, you know, supplemented that with X, Y, and Z, look at the team we might have had. But I think from what you're saying there and also what Ange is saying is that. It can be done a different way. It can be done whereby, for eighteen months to two years, you're getting the freshness, you're getting the trajectory of a player. Uh, and whilst you've got that, whilst they're hot, that's why that's whilst we want to keep them. And the minute it gets to that point where, as you see, even if there's a a moment where they're they're checking over their shoulder to see where the 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 next offers coming in from, then it is time to to cash in. The the good thing in terms of Ange though. Uh, that I'm confident about is if we were, and I, I, I hope we don't, but if we were to sell someone in January who's a pivotal member of this squad and we're going to get the right money for them, right? Because they've been playing at Champions League level. I think we've done our business really well. There's been one or two faux pas and Champion being an obvious one, 14 million quid to Porto. We end up tearing up his contract and it costs us money to get rid of him in the <laughs> end, <laughs> which shows you what we thought of him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you were to get 20, 25 million quid for a player, the confidence I've got, Sean, is that it would be reinvested wisely. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not as though we're we're still going out there and trying to buy the £2.5 to £3 million strikers that we did so wrong so often. Uh, We're -hmm. we're, we're moved away from that. And whilst I love the fact that we can tap into markets and bring in players for, you know, a couple of million quid and do it really well, because the guys we're mentioning have been in that bracket, Atati O'Reilly, I think that, you know, the players in the bracket of Jota and Carter Vickers it's important to always be looking at that type of player as well. Because, you know, the argument may be, well, they're no better than the two that we've just mentioned. That's fair enough. But I think we always need to be looking to improve; otherwise, we will stagnate. If we're always looking at the market of Matt O'Reilly, you're, you know, how often are you going to get a guy like that? Sean third mm-hmm. tier of the English football, and then putting him into a Champions League situation, and he and he thrives and he looks brilliant. And I want to talk a wee bit more about him actually, because I thought he was one of the shining lights. Uh, but as you say, the midfield O'Reilly, Hatati and Turnbull today. Uh, Turnbull is a player you you can often forget this. Ange liked this guy. Played him every single week whilst he was fit. But when he fell out of the team after injury in the League Cup final, not long after that, we bring in the aforementioned Tatarion and O'Reilly. And then it's very difficult for the guy to get back in and he's had his injury woes. Um, some people have criticised his mobility um, and his defensive attributes. Where are you with David? David Turnbull? Because for, for sure, he's a huge talent. Is one of the, the, the greatest players of his generation from Scottish football. We've got him. How do we keep him happy?
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com
4: for more. Well, he's definitely got ability and it's just about... uh, (laughs) the thing that's always kind of made him feel like he doesn't necessarily fit into an Ange team is he doesn't have the same obvious physicality mm. that people like O'Reilly and Hatati have. Uh, there's no question they can do whatever he wants with a football. Uh, whenever, when he first signed, it was uh, when he started putting those like think balls over the top, of the backline. it's like, right, this guy's just thinks differently. And it was a kind of Ryan Christie treat as well, where like they do something different. Um, and that's maybe something that's kind of gone out of the game a little bit. I mean, I've seen your Thierry on me video you posted on Twitter the other day, and it's like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't get players like that anymore, and it's like, it's coached out them, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, they, they do it less and less as time goes on. It was coached out at Paddy Roberts, it's coached out, of, and it's been coached at Turnbull, I think, as he's gone, but yeah, but you do get the flip side of that, where players like Messi and Ronaldo, who do have that in their head, get coached to actually use it eventually. Uh, but does Turnbull get to there? I'm not sure. He could go either way, to be honest. It could be something. Or it could go the way of Paddy McCourt, you know.
3: You know, a player that I was really disappointed in in relation to what you've just mentioned there was Frimpong. I thought when Frimpong came onto the scene, he was a guy that virtually every time he got the ball, shone, he had you on the edge of your seat. I yeah. mean, he was frightening, you know, with that instinctive nature of running at a player. He had a trick. He had, you know, had a bag of tricks. And it seemed as though... 12 months later, it looked like a very I don't mean this in a derogatory way but a far more kind of predictable player I'm not going to say ordinary he was not an ordinary and he is not an ordinary player but I did feel as though we almost coached a lot of that individuality out of him um, and in order to to kind of thrive sometimes you need a bit of freedom you've got to play within a system obviously and, and David Turnbull there has been a few concerns whether or not he can play in Andy's system it's refreshing to see him getting a start today uh, over Moy it's good squad management I think Um as well the defence any surprises in there because I was looking at that central defensive partnership the other night and I thought Starfelt played really well um, probably in his more preferred position Uh, but we've gone back to Carter Vickers and Jens and they're flanked by Ralston and Burnaby uh, Taylor being for me the most improved player in our squad this season Uh, what do you make of that defence
4: well, there's no surprise that the fullbacks are rotating. That's a, a standard move these days, uh, game to game. Uh, Carter Vickers, I'm not sure how he's fitness-wise. Uh, I guess the the only surprise really is whether it was Starfield or Jens, but with Starfield just coming back, I would guess he's probably not match fit to play twice in a couple of days. So uh, I, I guess it kind of makes sense in that way. Um, yeah, that's, that's n- not too surprising in that sense.
3: And then what we've got now, Sean, is that situation where, you know, if Iranovic drops out and Ralston comes in, um, or if Taylor drops out and Bernabe comes in, then we have a situation where we're still confident. You know, Starfield drops out, Carter Vickers comes in, you're confident with that. Moy drops out, Turnbull comes in, happy with that. So we've now got that situation where we do have a couple of players in every position. I'm going to play something very quickly, actually, right, um, which is from our good friends at watches. Now, this isn't a sponsorship deal. We're working in partnership with them. We did a video on the channel um, probably about a year ago. Check it out. Uh, good lad with a Celtic state of mind, let's just say. And he went away, Sean, right? I love when people, you know, just follow a vision and follow a dream. He went away and created a range of watches. Now, how on earth do you do that? I could only guess but he went away and done it um, and he was letting me know just during the week there that he's got a watch which has been tailored to guys like you and me by the way these watches aren't off the scale in terms of price um, but you do get a 15% discount if you're an Axon viewer Simply by putting in Paul John Dykes in the promo code. By the way, that wasn't my ego. I didn't come up with that code. Head <laughs> of watches did, right? I probably would have said Axon. But yeah, type in Paul John Dykes, you'll get 15% off. I'm just going to share this with you because I think this looks pretty impressive. Check this out. What a watch.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
3: It's a Belter, isn't it? So that's the latest one. Yeah, it's got that colour scheme, it's got a touchy class, you can get it in steel or silicon in terms of the strap, and you will not get 15% off. And yesterday, I was informed that uh, we had already sold a couple of those on the back of us, mentioning it. The link is underneath the video, and the link for our shop, if you want to buy this kind of gear is also under there, we don't charge for content if you want to support us by buying some merch please do that, we've got a few other plans um, for next year including the live events, there's a few things that we've got um, in the planning stage Sean and you'll be able to support us that way, just a couple of wee messages before we get into the game, Michael McDonald a regular commenter on the YouTube very confident about today after seeing the lineup. Ralston to get on the score sheet it gives you something different now I'm going to throw this one at you right? Mm-hmm. If we were to lose someone you would regard as a first-team player in January, and that player was Jaranovic Sean, how would you mm-hmm. feel? How would you feel at that?
4: I'd feel light at right-back. I would feel quite worried because I don't know who the next man up is. I would be hoping we're getting someone in.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I've looked at the Jaranovic situation because it's a name that doesn't seem to go away. He's been linked with various clubs. But I look at his age, I think to myself, he's going to be at the World Cup. He's probably going to be at that peak you know, when we're talking about a player and being active in the transfer market, he's probably going to be at his peak in terms of his value. We've got him fairly yeah. cheap at 2.7, World Cup behind him, 27 years of age. Is that the right time? Possibly. That could be the time um, to, to move him on. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to go to the uh, action. I think we're about half a minute late in starting. So we're going to go to the action, Sean. It's a pleasure to have you on the show again. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you again uh, to yourself, Sean, for joining me on A Celtic State of
4: yeah, see you at time.
3: Welcome. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, it's match day, which means we're teaming up with our friends at Celtic Down Under and with Sean Conley. Um, just remind us, Sean, before we get into the nitty gritty of that first half, where are you dialing in from? It's the back of 10 or 11 o'clock at night, where are you? Uh,
4: Perth in Western Australia, so it's uh, almost midnight, Just oh. just before midnight.
3: Dedication,
4: mate. Dedication.
3: <laughs> um, I'm going to start with a positive, right? Before the game kicked off, you and I spoke about Haxa And mm-hmm. we suggested, I think you suggested a hat-trick. I said maybe a brace or a hat-trick. He <laughs> got a brace in that first half. So let, let's focus on his performance and, and the, the two goals that he scored before we get to the all that other stuff that seems to dominate our conversations. Even... If we don't want it to Sean. Um mm-hmm. we'll start off with Haksabanić. What do you make of that for a first half performance?
4: Yeah, well, he was getting in the right positions. It was a kind of a Bada style uh, thing. I actually think he was, towards the end of the half, he was looking a bit tired. He wasn't making the runs and stuff, but the two goals, great, getting in great positions. And uh, the second goal, like, it, you know, you've got to take a shot to get a goal, but I think, to be fair, he's probably had like a dozen or so shots in the past that have been better than that, that have been saved. So. I guess today's just uh, it's coming up. His it's his turn to get the the break of the ball, you know. But he's 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 deserved it. He's got he's got us ahead in this game, you know.
3: Yeah, and and again, it's one of the things we were talking about before the game, where Ange Coglu is rotating his his squad. He's doing it in such a way where he's tinkering rather than wholesale. I think when he tried more of a wholesale approach, it didn't quite work against against St Mirren. We bring in Haksabanovic and he shines, he scores a couple of goals. I, I get what you mean there with regards to him fading a little bit near the, the end of the first half. I go back to the point that he made a couple of weeks ago. He's not quite there in terms of his sharpness and his fitness just yet, but he has shown us what he can do. But it's a, it really is a game of those two Celtic goals because when, when he opens his scoring, We've had a few chances, Jota's looking in the mood, Jota sets him up, he opens the scoring. And at that point, I know it's only six or seven minutes into in the game, Sean. I'm thinking, right, Celtic are in the rhythm here and yeah. it could it could almost be anything. Now, some people say to us, why do you always go on about officials' decisions and refereeing and VAR? Well, what actually happens, Sean, is is all it takes is one bad decision and the whole rhythm of your play is affected. And it took Celtic a while to get back into that, I felt. Therefore, mm-hmm. let's talk about that first VAR decision. Let's talk about the first one. Um, Bernabe, facing in a different direction. He's got no idea how his arm's going to connect with the ball. Not only that, he's penalised for it, but he gets booked. What was your take on it? Uh,
4: ridiculous, scandalous. Uh, if you go and read the rules, there's just... I, I cannot figure out any interpretation of the rule that makes that a penalty. Uh, I think the reason it's given is that uh, he's had Nick Walsh saying in his ear, uh, that's a penalty, or I think that's a penalty, or something to that effect. And Nick Walsh is obviously senior to David Dickinson, and uh, you should probably go back to hunting for bargains. And he's just given it because Nick Walsh has said it in his ear. TV to be totally for you.
3: bargains like us <laughs> Listen, I was going to say, just to clarify, right? So the incident happens. Anyone with a pair of eyes in their head, anyone who loves football, has watched any football, played at any kind of level, even if it was just a halftime kind of thing that you did and you scored at Parkhead, knows that in no walk of life is that a penalty kick. No way. Nah. is that That's never a penalty kick, right? So then what happens is, as you say, you've got Nick Walsh in the referee's ear. He then goes and reviews it. Oh, sorry, the, the situation's reviewed and he's getting, he's getting all the information in his ear. Now, I've heard there are some broadcasters, Laura was talking about this on Friday, there are some broadcasters who are privy to that conversation. Mm-hmm. So when these commentators are watching games down south, they can also hear what advice the referee's been given. Who makes a decision, Sean?
4: Uh, I'm confident it was Nick Walsh that made I mean, obviously, David Dickinson is blowing the whistle, but Mm. I'm extremely confident that is a Nick Walsh decision uh, because David Dickinson is seeing absolutely nothing out there. Like, he didn't see high feet, he's not seen Fletcher pulling Hitati back. Like, His vision is so bad that I would say he probably cut Craig Sibold's hair at some point in the last week, uh, which is what's going on with that do.
3: (laughs) Listen, I don't normally get involved in slagging other people's hair, but uh, yeah, I will participate on this occasion. Um, Listen, you're you're spot on. There was also the the Stephen Fletcher body check with his his, uh, hind end near the end Mm -hmm. of that first half, which... Was it Stephen Fletcher? I mean, if you I don't know, see that, what game uh, are you McGrath. watching, McGrath. McGrath. What game are you watching if if, yeah. if you don't see that? Um, so, with, with regards to that being ridiculous, I don't know what stream you were watching, but I would have loved to have heard Tom Boyd' response. Were you watching the Tom? Oh, Boyd he
4: was—he was, was incredulous, and he was—he was, at, he was at, actually mocking himself. Uh, you know, I think he's actually been hearing a bit of the, the kind of feedback he's been getting recently, so he, he did actually. I kind of have a go at himself. Are you going to have a go at me for that one, Paul? Uh, Kind of thing. He was really, uh, yeah. Consistently throughout the half, it's like, oh, we know that's not given because he's not wearing a green and white jersey. Uh, You know, it becomes
3: difficult. It
4: becomes difficult, though, Sean. Because,
3: I mean, I love Tom Boyd, right? You see what he's done for the club. Um, He he commentates with passion, let's just say. He Mm -hmm. he commentates commentates with the green specs on totally and he knows he does and Paul Cuddy, the other night there when, when Tom wasn't commentating made a few references to it and that's great and I love that and then you see that that decision there today and you think to yourself, how else can you view this? You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comments coming in, Stephen Sloan um, off the bat gone are the days we were up against 12 men with the rival of VAR, it looks like we're up against 13 men every He's week, not wrong. right and, and the thing is Sean I'm looking at it as well, and um, right, so they've, they've implemented VAR, VAR is is one of these almost industry standard um, applications that have been added to football elsewhere, we are now um, obviously working it into our game, and you ask yourself, is the system of VAR at fault, or is it still the officials? I'm, I'm definitely going with the officials every time.
4: <laughs> It's definitely not VAR. It, give, giving VAR to our referees is like giving knives to monkeys. Do you know what I mean? Like, a knife is a useful tool if used correctly, but these monkeys are just going to do themselves some harm, you know? Uh, well, that first half, I mean, against Hearts, right,
3: um, we were getting all the um, the prelude to that. We were getting all the chat, all the narrative around, you know, it's going to take a while to bed and they're going to be teething problems, all this kind of nonsense, right? Um, which, you know, some other uh, people in the media came out and said, "Well, if that's the case. We're not ready to implement it. Why are we implementing it early? You know, because we've I been mean, we have implemented this early." And I, I look at it and think, "Well, you know, the VAR's not broken. It's just <clears throat> highlighting how bad our officials are. That's what it's doing, and it's doing it week on week." Last night, I didn't watch the game. I seen the usual on on the socials with regards to the Hibs and Aberdeen. Uh, you know decisions some of them you're looking mm-hmm. at and, and you know even Hibbs social media got got in and the pile up it, it's completely breaking our game i mean if it wasn't already broken with, with regards to the the poor official the officialdom it's getting worse in that first half i mean i suppose the cogloo had a right good giggle at some of the decisions against hearts he just looked absolutely bemused in that first half what, what do you do i mean yeah we've shown character we've Got, we've came back into the game we've gone in at half time 2-1 um, up but there are going to be occasions Sean you can't do that every time you know we, we had a couple of bad against Hearts we've had a couple already in that first half but we're not always going to find a way and that's what uh, con- concerns me the most
4: yeah and look and <laughs> what you're saying about VAR in, and that's since it came in the Hearts game was the first one right I think. And since that game, there's been seven penalties across four and a half games. Uh, we would have not seen anything like that. Kind of, I'd, I'd be surprised if we had seven penalties uh, in every game preceding that, to be totally honest with you. Uh, it's really ramped that up. And, and what it's doing is just highlighting the incompetence of these officials because they're having to look at things over again and be like, Right. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like Before, they could just wave things away, like, oh, no, I wasn't sure, or I didn't see it clearly. Now they're getting a clear view, and it's exposing their just inability to interpret the rules and, and call things, you know?
3: It's really, really concerning for me, because I, I'm looking at the um, the outcome of the first decision with, with regards to the penalty, which is bad enough. But Bernabe gets a... He, I mean, I don't know what he said to the ref, but he gets a booking as well. And there was a wee moment there where I was looking at at Bernabe, thinking to myself, you know what, just walk away, because if they get an opportunity to give you a red card, you'll get it. And Mm -hmm. these are the things that are concerning me. And and I've heard all the cliches about, you know, if you're good enough, the ref doesn't matter, and all this kind of stuff. I'm sorry, they do. They absolutely do. What we've seen in that first half is the rhythm of our game being shot to bits after the the poor decision um, Mm -hmm. to award them a penalty. It took us until our second goal to kind of get back at it. And then we've got a player on a booking who, you know, he's feeling aggrieved at the minute, Sean. I know he's gone in at half time, Angel calm him down, the boys will calm him down. But if he gets one thing mistimed by a millisecond, he's off the park. And I know that for a fact. That's what they'll do to him. Um yep. and that concerns me. With that in mind, do you think Angel make any, any changes? Because I think Angel's sussed mm-hmm. out how things work in Scottish football already.
4: I don't think about half time, but I think Taylor will be on shortly. And what you're saying, it the VR thing does absolutely kill our rhythm. And uh, for that high foot on Jackie Macus, I've I take a lot of notes and I've not got a single note uh between, for ten minutes after that, like full ten minutes where nothing of note happened after that var check on Jackie mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where where Nick Walsh wasn't sure if it was a yellow or a red and the referee on the pitch didn't even give a free kick. So but yeah, it does it, it slows us right down and and then it helps opposition teams and I know we'll get a few extra goals from it, like the three the third goal against Livingston last week. Uh Linesman probably flags that as offside in a non-VAR world, but uh, I don't know, it's a it's a give and take, isn't it? At the moment it seems to be taking more than it's given from us.
3: I, I've a few times, probably over the last month or so, mentioned about um something about Yakimakis. He's a player who I think is a, a superb Acquisition. he's been a fantastic acquisition um, I don't think he likes playing on plastic because I, I don't think I remember a good performance a, a particularly good performance by him on a plastic pitch he has a fantastic header in 18 minutes Sean and it's a good save it's a very good save and I'm nice. looking at that thinking he's in the mood he's really in the mood but as you say there's then that 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 tackle can you call it a tackle in a very commas and you know it's, it's obviously it's high it's, it's a poor challenge But I've mentioned a few times that I watch Yakamakis in Europe and he puts himself about, right? And and there's a bit of an old fashioned physicality about him that I I really like because it seems to be outlawed domestically. He gets penalised time and time again. When he is actually um, hacked, fouled, you know, he he very rarely gets the decision for. And even when he gets a free kick there, you know, the the severity of the challenge isn't punished um, adequately, I don't think. Again, I'm always trying to speak in a, as balanced a way as I possibly can when it comes to the officials. I don't want to come across as if um, I've got some kind of conspiracy, but I think he's a shining example of how a player is is not treated to the, the you know the laws of the game domestically, but in Europe he is. I mean, the amount of free kicks he wins in Europe is is phenomenal. It's part; of, mm-hmm. it's the best, one of the best parts of his games. Back in the Europa last season and in the Champions League this season, he wins possession, he holds it up, he, he wins free kicks, he buys us a bit of time. Um, you, am I looking too much into that, Sean, or do you think there's something no, to be said
4: there? 100% agree with you, yeah. And I, I don't know why that is, to be honest, I don't know if it's a Celtic thing or if it's a Scottish football style of play thing. Uh, there was a Charlie Richmond interview on Off the Ball a couple of weeks ago where he came out and just straight up said uh, he loves it when a defender goes down because it's easy to give a free kick uh, when the ball is going to play. He said, oh, Great. Def- defender goes down, easy free kick. Uh, so these refs have go- had their comfort zones, their comfort blankets. They, We know that they are not calling the game fairly and we're just so used to it, we accept it. Um, and and like you say, when you go into Europe, that doesn't happen. We actually get decent refereeing and I would love it if uh, Scottish referees could get to that standard. And I think something was mentioned to that effect by Michael Nicholson at the AGM this week. Uh, or was it Bankier? One of them said something like that.
3: It's just... Consistency. That's all we're looking for, right? Is, is a consistency of decision making. Um, we're just asking these people to do their jobs properly. Um do I enjoy talking about refereeing on on axe bulletins and match days no I don't actually I would rather not have to speak about it um I would much rather talk about the performance of Haksabanovic in that first half the fact that you know Jota's back in the team and, and doing what Jota does the fact that O'Reilly has taken like a doctor water to this new position since uh, Callum McGregor has been out injured these are the things I want to talk about the partnership being developed between uh, Jens and Carter-Vickers um I don't want to talk about the rest but when they're this bad you can't ignore it and you know what we'd be doing a disservice to everybody that tunes in if we were to ignore it Sean Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking at some of these comments coming in I don't think anyone's disagreeing with us Daniel Brown didn't expect VAR to fix everything but this is ridiculous you said the word ridiculous I wrote it down on my notes (laughs) I think everybody watching felt exactly the same Um, yeah I would expect Ange to stick to his guns in terms of when he likes to make the changes Um, just before we get back to the action we spoke a wee bit about Turnbull Um, how do think david turnbull's performed in that first half
4: i thought he started really poorly uh the first thing he did was give away possession like his first touch in the game and he was for the first 15-20 minutes it was two touches for everything uh but he kind of seemed to settle into a little bit he's still a bit off the pace but his touch is coming back so i think we're not going to i won't i don't expect him to do much better at the start of the second half but it's part of his process of building back to to being in the first team absolutely is. Um,
3: listen, thank you very much, everybody, for getting involved. That was a frustrating first half, but we did go in 2-1 up. Let's go and join the action for the second half. Sean and I will be back at full time. All that's left for me to say, once again, Sean Connolly, thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
4: Hello.
3: Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And today, or tonight, depending on where you are, Um, I am joined by Sean Connolly Sean is part of the Celtic Down Under team We are collaborating on the match day When we can When the games allow Um, Is it after midnight where you are now? It is, I'm coming to you from Sunday Oh, wow. It's now 1am. <laughs> that, that is going to freak me out. Not as much as some of the decisions in the game we've just encountered. We'll start off with the second half because obviously we covered the first half at half time. We'll go back to some of the talking points in that first half and we'll cover as much as we possibly can. What's your thoughts on Celtic's performance today? Get your comments in. Um, has the game been ruined since Var's introduction? I mean, has um, it taken the, the fun?
2: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
0: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
3: the spontaneity um, out of the, the match because obviously it is dominating a lot of Celtics' performances. Unfortunately, I wish we didn't have to talk about it, but it is dominating those performances. I was sitting here, um, 84 minutes. My note reads, DUFC still in this game. <laughs> 86 Two two and I'm thinking, oh no. Because you're going into a post match straight after the game, Sean. You're thinking the mood's gonna be low. Kilgo comes to the rescue, Abada puts a, a nice veneer onto the onto the uh But overall, what did you make of that?
4: Yeah, that's uh yeah, it was squeaky bum time, as they say. I was when they when Dundee United uh had that chance where Forrest didn't track and then they hit the post in the corner. I was like, oh God. So like you kind of almost see it coming because that's the kind of game plan of these teams is to stay one goal down. Like it sounds insane, but their game plan is literally to stay one goal down and then try and snatch something like they did. And, uh, And Celtic's game plan for the last, 13 months has been to just say uh, no thank you and uh, get that late winner you know that's seven times in the last 13 months that we've scored uh, a winner in the last uh, after the 80th minute
3: and Abada Abada obviously did it against Dundee United we, we were spoken, spoken we were speaking before the game about obviously this season being a bit of a different uh, Ketley Fish a different Dundee United because it did give us quite a few decent matches last season um, and we were talking about maybe um, a, a winning at a bit of a canter there was predictions coming in at 4-1 etc wasn't that type of game I know we got the, the very last goal uh, late on Sean but it was much tighter than that and mm-hmm. yes the VAR disrupted us we said that you know the decisions disrupted us but I just didn't think we got going really in that second half and then as you say Dundee United were quite happy last 10-15 minutes to go for it weren't they?
4: Yeah I mean my notes are the first 15 minutes I've got like chance 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 but there, none of them were really like clear cut mm. quality obvious chances do you know what I mean like they were all kind of uh, edge of the D kind of stuff you know and, and I, it felt like or not you know even though we I've also written here at 61 minutes we could take gens off because every time the ball was going long it was going Carter Vickers Hart Ralston and then it was recycling it was just but then they kind of came they made some subs and kind of got back into the game at that point and uh, yeah we, we just hadn't capitalised on that 15 minutes of dominance uh, with any real clear cut chances and, and look the Compared to the nine nil game, they were so much more compact, so much more organised. Mm. There was one point where a cross comes in, and Edwards clears it away from like the three yards out, and I'm like, "Well, in the nine nil game, that's Kyogo tapping it in." Yeah, do you know yeah. what I like, And that's the, that's the difference between those two games.
3: Massive, massive difference between Dundee United under Jack Ross and then today um, against the guy that obviously uh, you scored against at Celtic Park. Um, mm-hmm. You're right; it was uh, my my notes here saying the first ten minutes we had five chances, and then like you say, it was it was like eight chances within the first fifteen minutes of the second half, and and they weren't clear cut one on ones. You know, hitting the post out. They were um, some of them half chances, I guess. You know, you had Turnbull's header saved, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I'm looking at it thinking. You know, if it continues to go that way, we will extend this lead. It will get that wee bit more comfortable, but that didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, At half time, you and I spoke about uh, Taylor uh, and the the, the the probability that he would be introduced, but again. Sean, that that decision's almost getting taken for Ange because he knew that yeah. he, he was he, he really was uh, treading a kind of thin line at that stage. So he's he's be, almost been forced into making that decision. But Taylor comes on and he actually, you know, he, he clears the ball off the line and he plays particularly mm-hmm. well in that second half. How impressed were you with, with Greg Taylor again?
4: Yeah, he was great. And you're you're absolutely right. It felt kind of there was a bitterness to it. It wasn't like yes, Taylor's on. It was like. The refs have made that sub for us, do you know what I mean? like It mm-hmm. felt like it was taking it, as you said. and But he, I thought he linked up really well with Jota. I thought he was great. As you said, cleared the one off the line, had some great uh, attacking plays. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> he is a lot better than Burnaby. Like, I, I'd started, at some point in the first half, I'd started taking a note of how many times Burnaby gives away possession. And, and it wasn't that many, because they just stopped giving the ball to him, to be, to be fair. <laughs> but... Like, um, he does have a. He's still developing. Burnaby. I'm not writing him off, but uh, Taylor's a, a big step up.
3: There's been a few signings this season that I think um, Ange referred to them as slow burners, or you know, um, and and I think he was talking about Hakzabanevich and Burnaby and Nabligor as well, who to this point hasn't really made a, an impact. Um, Hakzabanevich has though. So we'll go back to Haksabanovic before we talk about the two goal scorers and a few of the other performances in the second half. Um, do you think that the fact, obviously, that he had a, a, kinda, a great first 40 minutes is, again, down to the comments he himself has made, that he's not quite there yet in terms of being 100% fit, um, match-sharp, that kind of thing. But he has shown us enough today uh, to give us a bit of a, an insight into what he's capable of.
4: Uh, yeah, and I thought he looked good uh, in the first fifteen minutes of the, the second half as well. Like one one of the things he does, that my my favorite thing that he does is he's just got this beautiful weighted pass. Like mm-hmm. we're not not talking about like, his crosses into the box or over the top or anything like that, but just when he's playing a ball along the ground, he just has a this really really perfect weight on it that it just gets right in the path of the the player that he's getting it to. Uh, yeah. And and it's just got beautiful technique. And I think next. I think in January onwards, he could be an amazing player for us.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've seen how um, big an impact our January signings had in the second half of last season. I think there's a few of the players that are already at the club could actually come into their own in the second half of the season and they could be like supplemented or or complemented by a couple of new additions. But he is certainly one that I'm really looking forward to seeing more of. Bernabe had a bit of a stop start but uh, a massive part of that, you know, uh, is compounded by the fact that Greg Taylor's having the form of his life, and certainly the form of his Celtic career. i God, I just don't think there's really been a um, an opening for him to come in and, and make a place his own. Again, no. Similarly to Haksabanovic, I don't think he's there on a fitness level, uh, uh, on a fitness mm-hmm. sense. One player I want to talk about in the, in the second half before we get to the goal scorers is Matt O'Reilly. Um, mm-hmm. he, he takes the corner that leads to Kyogo's goal, that pushes mm-hmm. us ahead again. And there was a real sigh of relief, certainly from me. And I think you could feel it was palpable from the stadium as well. Um, and then he's the last player that Kyogo eventually gets to once he's gone through everybody else that's come up to celebrate. And I was just looking at, at O'Reilly and how he has grown as a Celtic player. You know, even in stature, in terms of physically. And I'm looking at him and thinking to myself, what a turnaround. Have you ever seen anything so um, rapid in a turnaround in a player who's come in? I don't know how much you knew about him, Sean. Um, Never. He comes in. you know, And you're talking, obviously, since then, to people like Peter Grant, who had knowledge of him at Fulham and and you know O'Reilly and Yentz played together at Fulham and it, it was almost like a you know the best kept secret in English football this guy Matt O'Reilly you know he was going to do wonders didn't quite work out decided to leave the club and he he was without a club for five or six months which is a is a bold decision for a young footballer at the age of what twenty probably at the time nineteen twenty gets mm. his uh, gets his contract with MK Dons eventually, um, and he comes to our attention. We've managed to get him for under two million quid. I was watching him today, far from a, a vintage Celtic performance, Sean, but I'm still looking at him thinking, wow, what an absolute turnaround! Not in his Celtic career because he's been great since he joined us, but just in his football career, a, a real steep trajectory for him.
4: Yeah, being down here in Australia, I, I knew Riley McGree very well and I was I was very excited that we were getting him. But then when that fluttered away and we got O'Reilly, and I was like, who is this guy? Uh, but yeah, he's like, as you say, it came out of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, I still remember before Posta Congo came in, our scouting department was uh, Tosh McKinley and whoever Dermot Desmond is friends with. Uh, And now now we seem to just be pulling these names out of nowhere. Like players are signing that nobody's even heard of and they're doing an absolute turn. So it's great, you know. Um, And I actually had O'Reilly down as the best player in that second half and... I'd, I'd had Ralston down is probably the best overall. Even though Haksibanovich got the the Daffa Batman in the match, I'd, I had Roush. Ral- R- had a couple of slips, but I had him. He was I had him down as the best player in the first half, and he still contributed second half. But O'Reilly was unreal in that second half. Yeah, he got two the two key assists. But even apart from that, there was two times where the ball was coming down with snow on it uh, in our box, and he just took possession like you would normally like 9 to 9 times out of 100 a player would just be like putting their head on it try to get it somewhere safe do you know what I mean not taking any risk whereas twice twice in the space of 15 minutes of Riley's like yeah I'll just take this under control and, and find a player
3: He's very like, brave, isn't he? He's very yeah. brave in that respect. You know, there's so many players at all levels, even at professional level. And again, speaking of footballers, they talk about this, where they hide at times. Um, you know, like you say, sometimes it's going to be easier. Just get the head on this, just clear it out. But he's brave and he plays um, He plays a game that I think he's perfectly suited. Um, he is looking talismanic uh, in Angie's squad. Although those who know Angie a wee bit better than I, um, tell me that he doesn't like Tyler's men and his team because he wants to be in a situation where anyone is replaceable. But when someone's mm-hmm. playing to that level, you know, that, that consistency, um, then you think to yourself, first name on the team sheet at the moment, and we've already spoken about Taylor and his performances, brilliant clearance off the line, um, you know, pivotal, pivotal moment in the game. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the goal as well because Kyogo Um, I mean let's have a wee chat first and foremost about his Celtic year I remember us signing him and again out of the blue right and uh, you think to yourself right I'm going to have to learn about this player and we all do our research and uh, people like Liam Carrigan's great because he's got a knowledge of the Japanese players Mm -hmm. I certainly did not and I remember the bulletin going live that day and it, it, it was quite clear there was a real buzz about that signing Um, and people are thinking, what is Ange tapping into here? Kyogo last season, you know, the only downside was the injuries, I think. You know, you just, you remember that League Cup final performance. You just watch the goals back and you see the talent of the guy. This season, I think there's been kind of ups and downs for him. There's been a wee bit of uh, a doubt around his Champions League performances. We spoke about that. We touched on it before the game. And then, of course, he's left out of the Japanese squad for the World Cup. Um, and I think no one else on that pack probably needed that today than uh, Kyogo. He scores the goal, Sean. Um, mm-hmm. An instinctive goal, wasn't it? Getting in the end of the wee flick by Ralston. But let's not forget the talent we've got in Kyogo. Let's not just throw the baby out with the bathwater because he had a few bad games or mm-hmm. he didn't set the Champions League alight. He's still a supremely talented footballer.
4: Oh yeah, he's absolutely the. I mean, I know. He, yeah, he he could rip this league apart if he stays fit for a whole season. Is he top scorer? I'm not even sure. In the SBFL, he probably is. He certainly was at the start of the season. But yeah, like those last minute goals. That's the sort of thing that gets you down as a legend. That's why everyone loves Jack and Marcus right now. He's had two late winners, you know. And Kyogo's got one now. But the thing is, Kyogo's usually won for an early goal, which is kind of interesting, but. Um, how it's the other way around but yeah that's he would certainly when you look back at the end of the season it's the, the one point that became three points uh, mm. you know when you if you win the league by like four, three, two, three, four points you look at any game that was a late winner and you go right that was the difference and today could be one of those days that it gets added to that list
3: yeah, you're right. We mentioned that earlier this season, Sean, when it was um, you know McGregor taking one for the team against Motherwell, where he gets the red card. And you think mm. that that's now a very sexy moment in the season, but it's a very pivotal one. Um, sometimes it will be a save, a last minute save, or whatever from from Hart. And and you know two two, that could have knocked the stuffing out. Of us. I was I was mentioning at time how we showed the resilience in the character, even though we rightfully would have been feeling hard done by because of the VAR decisions, et cetera, in that first half to get our noses in front. But by the time Dundee United equalised in that second half, they, for five, ten minutes, were, were putting under, us under a bit of pressure. And again, we had to show character again, Sean. But, mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's that's testament to Angie and this team, isn't it? I mean, we'd, I know that it's turned into a bit of a cliché that we never stop, but I remember that same mentality in teams, under even Billy only second tenure at Celtic, the amount of games we won you know, late on in the game to the point I remember Billy Connolly making the joke in 90 minutes you, you thought it's alright there's another 30 seconds to go, we're, we're still going to get the win um, and it, it, there's a feeling there's a sense of that, you know when Keogos scores yeah you're elated, you're a bit relieved but at the same time you think I knew the, the team had that in us and and it's down to the character and the mentality we, we criticise Celtic so much on this show um, and the final season under Lennon because we felt that it wasn't there, and there was a there was a real lack of um, that winning mentality, and we had to change the culture of the club. But that certainly has been changed under Ange, isn't
4: it? Uh, uh, absolutely, Paul, and I can hundred percent back up what you're saying with some stats that I've got from way before. Um, in the last between October 2021 and, and now, we've had seven games where we've scored a winner uh, beyond 80 minutes. And if you look at an post-qualgo interview from August this year uh, where they ask him what was the most important game on the way to winning the league last year he says he cites the, the late win against Aberdeen when Jota scores late in October 21 and uh, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes
2: from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox
0: not just a media company iheart media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
4: that was the kind of at that point that was the first time we'd scored a late winner in 364 days so if you, if you look at the what you're talking about the 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 failed 10 in a row the lenin spell we went just one day shy of a whole year without scoring a late winner like it, 11 draws in that spell that were not converted into wins and then in that same following year we had 11 games where we were going into the 80th minute drawing and six of those uh, we we got the winner so that 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 is the difference really That's huge
3: that is huge yeah. i remember the um, the comments after the invincible uh, treble was wrapped up against aberdeen and obviously it was the late late show with tom rogich and you know people were saying what what you know, differentiates between Celtic's mentality at that moment of the game and and their opponent's mentality, and a, a huge part of that is something that the manager and, and probably it has to start with the management team starts to implement and Brennan Rogers gave the team that belief and you know that was a great example of it when Rogers scores that goal but I think we've got it under Ange and I, I, as I say I'll never ever take that for granted because there's nothing quite like a last minute goal or mm. you know that fight back um, but when they do it you kind of think to yourself well, that's what I expect from this team now because they've got it it's been kind of embedded in them and I don't think the we never stop mantra is nonsense Sort of market ploy I believe every single word of it. I think, mm-hmm. and really has got it cast iron on this team. Uh, they believe that every single player in that side believes and is behind it. But again, it goes back to that conversation you and I had about January coming up. The minute you have somebody who doesn't, isn't one hundred percent in that camp, then it is. We've just got to move on from that. And and just mm-hmm. already almost preparing us for it. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, the chairmanship, uh, which is obviously up for grabs and, and who may or may not get it. Uh, but we're not finished quite yet because we get a fourth goal and Abadda scores. I think there was 92 minutes on the clock when Abadda mm-hmm. scores and he knew he was going to get booked for that. But, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, super... Mm-hmm. Nothing like it, is it?
4: Yeah, all the players know. They're like, "Wait, I'm on a yellow card. No, I'm not. I'm going in the crowd." Unless <laughs> and like, and you're Scott Brown, in which point you're like, "I'm already on a yellow, and I don't even care. I want a week <laughs> off. I'm going in the crowd anyway." Brilliant. I was like and- it's Komarnyuk, wasn't it, where he jumped in the crowd when he was already in a yellow? Absolutely. Walked, walked straight off the pitch. Didn't even look at the referee. I know.
3: Uh, <laughs> you're too far gone. And yeah, I mean, the the thing with VAR and the thing that that's annoying me and concerning me is. Football is a game that's about emotions, isn't it? It's spontaneity and and it's pulling pulling us away from that with the VAR. You know, everything's Mm. a second guess and another check. And like you say, there's players that by the time they've made that decision, it's gone. They're already in the crowd and then they're thinking, I'm going to be on a red or a yellow here. But, I mean, Abada, again, sometimes we take it for granted, his trajectory since he came to Celtic, the upward trajectory of that player, um, who came in as a 19-year-old, scored in his debut against Midtjylland. Uh, had a phenomenal season last year. I always say to anybody I'm talking about, imagine that was a 19-year-old coming in through our ranks, coming through the, the system. Yeah, it impact, unbelievable impact. Um, not always a first pick this season, but he still, I mean, I still think that he has had a real contribution this this campaign, um, I was disappointed in his Champions League performances, Sean. I'm going to ask you about that, but I did feel that against the Bernabeu, he uh, was braver. I thought his decision making was better, and I think he maybe got over on you know a personal anxiety himself in the Bernabeu, and and we won't see the real Abada until next season in the Champions League, and let's just hope he's in a Celtic jersey.
4: Yeah, there was a youth and uh, it was a mentality thing, you know, he, he goes and scores those two goals against Sevco and then the, the next game against Real Madrid, he misses two chances which are identical. So it's like, it's very much a sense of occasion and a mentality and experience thing. And I, I think Postacogo touched on that and uh, the, the, I, I believe that there's a lot of scouting going on, I believe. Brendan Rogers was up last year looking at Abada mm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the kind of thing, when you have players that age, they, they, they get a lot more looks than players of Kyogo and Juranovic's age. So, uh, yeah, even even if they're not as good as Kyogo and Juranovic, uh, teams see the potential... As as much as the current ability, and, and that's we we should be bearing that in mind. If he was Scottish, he'd be in the Scottish national team for sure, and we'd be absolutely raving that there's this young player and talking about how he could go to Real Madrid. That if he was Scottish, he'd be like that. That is the kind of chat we'd be getting, like that he could be going to. It'd be Kieran Tierney level chat, Andy Robertson level chat. If he yeah. was Scottish,
3: yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Now talking about players coming through and, and maybe. The differing attitudes that we have as football fans, as fickle as we can be, uh, and certain players within the Celtic ranks who have, have taken a lot of stick over the years. One such player today, uh, and I want to pick up on this because I did think he had a fantastic game today, was Tony Ralston. I uh, like he's, mm-hmm. he's got a very direct approach when, he, when he's down the right, he, he loves to whip a ball in. Um, there was a moment today, Sean, right, where a simple ball was played five yards to him. And it was that horrific moment where the ball just <laughs> runs under your studs and goes out the park. And yeah. you know what? Nobody batted an eyelid. Now, mm-hmm. th- there was a time where everybody would have been screaming and shouting at Tony Ralston. He, the only person that was angry was him himself, I think. He was yeah. giving himself a hard time. And it, it shows the turnaround in a player that, A, when you see the, the, the starting lineup and he's in it, you're happy. You think that's good, that's fine, there's no problem, you have no concerns. But even mm-hmm. when he makes a bad mistake, you, again, you're not on his back. And I think that that's a whole shift in how we perceive Tony Ralston now. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely part of Angie's revolution. And um, even with a mistake here and there, he is a, he's a player that has overcome more than most to win his place in the Celtic side. And we take it for granted sometimes when he has a good game. I mean, I bet you there's other contributors, probably myself included, who wouldn't have mentioned him today. You know, because you, you start to just... Expect a performance like that from Tony Ralston mm-hmm. don't you um, I mean how, how are you feeling about a right back situation we spoke about Juranovic and mm-hmm. the need to replace if he is to move on but it does lead us in nicely to some of Andy's comments uh, over the last week or so Sean and the fact that we might see a few departures I wouldn't mind if it was people on the fringes you know even if it was the likes of Idiguchi who we've not seen maybe even Stephen Welsh out on loan James McCarthy I wouldn't mind that but i'm getting a feeling there might be people in and amongst that first team that Ange was was talking about
4: i oh, definitely is yeah and uh, from what J- jared suggested i don't know if i should mention or not that the two was o'reilly and juranovic or i in, i in the door and um uh, and that if juranovic goes i'm not sure who the next man up is to rotate with tony Ralston, to be totally honest with you um it's probably Starfield or Welsh getting shoved out there because um, I don't think there's anyone uh, first team ready in the B team as, as far as I'm aware. Mm. So it's either, either we, hopefully the scouts have got someone good lined up or we're going to be a bit uh, stuck. Uh, well, we're out of Europe, so there might be less rotation, but uh, yeah... Ralston would certainly be a clear first choice at that point because I, I guess just over a, like this time last year it was a real debate about who was the first choice between those two yeah. Ralston was having a storming season and Juranovic was coming on that game as well, there was there was really no it wasn't until really February that we were all really like yep, Juranovic is number one and now the kind of narrative is kind of turning another the other way uh, you know we're just, a lot of the times when Juranovic misses a tackle in the Champions League it's like oh, Ralston would have made that kind of thing you know Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I'm a big
3: fan of both players and, and that's a brilliant position to be in. Juranovic, mm-hmm. I think, uh, came up against some real real talent um, in Mudrick and, yeah, he scored in the two games, Sean, but he didn't murder Juranovic, you know. It's not like he, I gave mm-hmm. him a torrid time uh, of it and I think that, in terms of the age group of certain players we've brought in some guys like Zhiranovich and Starfield and Kyogo who are in that kind of like um, mid to later 20s category where they're they're completely different from that that young group of talent that we brought in such as O'Reilly and Hatati etc in that you know there will come a moment and it's probably going to come quicker where you would be prepared. I think Yakamakis is in that bracket as well, isn't he? 26-27. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and as much as you love them and you think, yeah, they could do a job for another two or three seasons at Celtic, depending on the the type of interest, the type of offer that comes in, you then think, well, what could Antipo and his recruitment team do with you know, a transfer fee, let's say, 25 million quid, if, if the Celtic board say, right, I'm going to give you 17 million of that to go and buy two or three players, what, what could we really do to strengthen? And I think that is a mentality shift for me, certainly, because I'm, I'm always of the view that if we kept all our great players, then we would a much better team in the Champions League and that was that nine in a row team that I was talking about, you imagine your dream nine in a row team, it's Mm -hmm. a strong strong side, but it's unrealistic to think that we could keep Wanyama longer or Van Dijk longer or or potentially O'Reilly if that is the case, I'd hate to see him leave at this stage, but there's been interest from I think Newcastle, is it Crystal Palace, Leicester, there's at least three clubs that have been interested in Matt O'Reilly, if Indeed, let's just say I don't want to put a damper on it because I'm feeling great after beating Dundee United four um, two. If if we do lose somebody like O'Reilly, what are we looking at? What's the ballpark figure at this stage? Do you think, Sean?
4: Hmm. uh somewhere between fi- somewhere above fifteen, less than twenty. I would expect that might change if he gets called up to the Denmark squad for the World Cup, I would expect that to go higher. But at the moment, uh, for someone that's getting a man in a match in the Champions League, uh, you'd say just below 20 with a hefty sell-on, I would guess.
3: Hefty sell-on. And, you know, I I don't want it to happen, but it would break my heart more if it was Jota. You know, it really would. And I don't Mm. know if that was because we had him for a year on loan and he was looking like one of those guys that we had in like a Paddy Roberts or Denier, where you're thinking, I yes. don't think we're going to sign that guy. You know, and I, I I felt the same about Jota. We did get him and his performances, that for me, have actually been better this season. Hopefully I can extend that and, and be consistent. Um, O'Reilly, I, I just feel there's certain players that come to the club. I, I was talking about this just yesterday. I remember when we signed Key Son Young and I thought to myself, we're going to have him sold within three seasons. And I just, there was no emotional attachment to him because I kind of mm-hmm. always knew That was just part of his own progression and indeed it happened and we got a very good fee at the time for him. And I feel a wee bit the same about O'Reilly as much as I love him. And, you know, we spoke about the incredible uh, trajectory he's had since he came to Celtic. I'd love to see him uh, in a team next season that's a wee bit more experience with Champions League. I'm talking Celtic. Mm -hmm. Um, He might be in the Champions League somewhere else. But uh, we will wait and see if it was Juranovic. I had to bring in another right back, I'd be confident that Angie and his team could bring someone in. Um, would they play second fiddle to Tony Ralston? Again, I'd be happy with that because it means that we're not bringing in that 26 or 27-year-old. Um, there was a few bigger questions before the game. We never got round to talking about them. Uh, but one of them is the chairmanship at Celtic Football Club, Sean. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. the AGM, I think it was, was it his 13th? Ian Bankier's 13th as the chairman. Right. Um He's announced he's stepping down. Um, there is a feeling among some groups of Celtic fans that Peter Lowell's a shoo-in. Do you think that'll happen? And if so, what will your thoughts be on it?
4: Well, the Lowell thing's interesting as well because what you're talking about there, about uh, players moving on, the the Lowell model was sign players on a four-year contract with the uh, plan to sell them after two. Uh, and so uh, if he does come back, I would... Like, we're already moving back to that business model anyway so you could don't let's be careful not to peg that on him if he does come back uh, I'm actually okay with it in principle as long as he stays away from the football side of things and sticks to the business side of things I think he has great contacts and great business acumen I would be happy to see him involved in the business side of things, I just don't want him touching the football side of things
3: It's that, interesting again because Ian Banker mentioned that, you know, he he was talking about his role. He says, A lot of people don't know what my role is. He goes, But my role isn't a football role, and, you Mm -hmm. know, the chairmanship shouldn't be. Um, However, you know, the the Peter Lowell um, appointment as CEO um, came with the caveat that he would be uh, responsible for all non footballing matters, and we know how that developed over time. Mm -hmm. But there were loads of positives. I remember when he stood down and I thought he had been a, an absolute colossus for Celtic, really, over the piece. Uh, there's a lot of Celtic fans don't think he was strong enough when it came to uh, Resolution 12 um, in, in relation to the five-way agreement. They don't think that he was strong enough in there, and I get all that, but you also think to yourself, you know, if you want someone round the table um, and Celtic's best interests are, are there, and I'm talking on a European level, um, you'd be pretty confident if he was the guy that was uh, fighting your corner. So... There are pros and cons. We shall wait and see. They might take us by surprise. The one thing I would say though, Sean, is if we do return to that, and it looks as though we are already hinting that that's the case, as long as our recruitment is good, it works. The problem mm-hmm. we had before was the amount of money that we were spending and not getting the return. The amount of players that we brought in for that two and a half to £3 million, pounds, that just did not work out. And it was... It was wasn't a full safe. Every so often we would sell someone and make a huge amount but I always felt that a lot of that was squandered by the bad business. So if mm-hmm. the recruitment is better I think that model will actually work and then there'll be more of an acceptance because you can hear it when you look at the comments a lot of Celtic fans are realistic as to where we are in terms of Europe and if we get mm-hmm. a Dembele for half a million and someone wants to pay 20 million that's great for us. We actually need that as a football club to strive as long as it's reinvested and reinvested properly. Would you be confident that it would be under the current regime and his recruitment team?
4: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't. I don't see us going out and signing any Carlton Coles or Colin Kazim Richards uh, or Freddie Lundbergs, so All these has-beens we were signing from the EPL, and I also don't see us uh, signing the likes of Mo Bangura or you know the kind of uh, two million pound player that you're talking about. That. They've like had a flash in the pan year in some Diddy league, and we were trying to buy uh, some imaginary potential. I, I think they they do their background on these players, not just in their football ability, but in their character as well. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'd be very confident to be honest. I, I'd, I, I would like to, as you say, it's interesting because the the only players we spent six million plus on are ones we had on loan for a year first, so. I don't know if that's the way to do it or if we can take the gamble on spending that on a player we've not had, uh, you know, up at Lennox Good point. that's, That's the one thing I would be wary of.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, when when we signed Edward, you knew what you were getting. Same with Jota, same with Carter Vickers. You know, great, great point, actually. Ewan, boy, Martin, was feeling a bit relieved. I think we all were, Ewan. Uh, we'll need to get another visit for you into the, into the studio as well. Uh, Red Scotland, big, big three points. It does feel like that, doesn't it? And uh, Kugo, I think we are all shouting that, Grace and Hesaldine when um, Hugo scored the goal I get the uh, I totally get it that you are up now at probably one in the morning uh, Sean it's been an absolute pleasure for you to join us thanks so much for doing that today it's sure. great to, to tie in with you guys over in Australia and um, we'll do more of that obviously in November um, as well you can keep mm-hmm. us posted with the impact that Celtic are having over there the homecoming of Ange Postacoglu we are playing a blue team but it's not Rangers it's Everton um, thanks everybody for getting involved it's been a fantastic day in the end Um, there was a wee bit of squeaky bum time as uh, your man Sean said earlier on if you want to get involved with the Celtic uh, Axon merch just click the link underneath the video subscribe to the channel we're hurtling towards 20,000 subscribers on there thanks so much for all your support we've got a big charity drive coming up at Christmas and hopefully you can get involved in that as well thanks everybody for getting involved thank you once again Sean Connolly for joining me (laughs)
0: When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203
2: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas. Visit coxcom internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.